My name is Pastor Mike Signorelli, and I have the privilege of pastoring all these beautiful, wild people uh, here and online. And uh, it's one of the great privileges of my life to pastor you and to so important to your life. And I just am so proud of you. I want to say that because I'm looking around at the faces here in the room, and many of you have really made a decision. I'm going to try not to get emotional because I know your lives. I keep up with your stories through our leaders. And you've made a decision. I will not back down. I will not give up on my destiny. And I will not accept any less than all that God has for me. And for that, I want to tell you, as your pastor, I'm proud of you. You know, this is New York, for those of you who live here. And what happened in New, in, in New York in the last four and a half years was actually not supposed to happen. How many of you know that? What happened with V1 Church was not supposed to happen. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We were supposed to bend our knee to mediocrity. We were supposed to bend our knee to the busyness of our schedules out here. And Sunday was supposed to be a brunch day. But how many of you know you got to make a decision to choose between brunch and breakthrough? Oh, I wish I had a church. I mean, brunch is great, but sometimes you've got to choose between brunch and breakthrough. Sometimes you got to choose between, I just was going to alliterate, I was going to say lettuce in your next level. Okay, she's in. I looked at the vegan before I said, are you a vegan? Okay, gluten-free, gluten-free. For those of you who are for all the suitors who are preparing gifts for her um, all over the world. <laughs> but you got to come through me first, all right? Right? Am I right? You got to come through me first. <laughs> I just love you. We've, we've gone to different countries doing this. I still have not found a man at her level yet, but we'll keep looking because she's amazing. And this church is full of incredible people who are fulfilling their destinies. Some of you are new. You just made a commitment. Would it surprise you to know that we're only like 120 days away from 2022? Is anyone else still processing 2019 and you forgot 2020 even happened? Am I, was this 2022, you're like, that ain't right. I'm like, yeah, your kid is now 40. It happened. I, I don't know how. I've got a brief message I want to preach to you today, though, and I do believe that this will be a historic message for our church, not necessarily the most powerful or moving, not necessarily the one that maybe every single point I make you memorize, but we will look back on this message through the corridor of time and we'll say we saw it in the spirit before we saw it in the natural. And as a matter of fact, I was surprised because my friend, Apostle Alexander Pagani, posted this morning a graphic about what he was gonna preach this morning in the Bronx. And I texted him, I said, bro, are you start, I can call him bro, you guys can't. <laughs> I said, are you guys really preaching this today? Are you starting the series today? And he was like, yeah, God laid it on my heart. I said, I kid you not, I am preaching the same thing on Long Island. And so how many of you know when you serve the same Jesus, you'll get the same message? So God's doing something in the earth right now. Uh, how many of you here are good note takers? You want to learn the Bible? You want to learn the word with me today? I'm going to give you many scriptures. They're going to come up on the screen here as well. And I want to encourage you to follow along. Also, the V1 Church mobile app is, uh, my notes are there in their entirety if you need those to help you. And a uh, shout out, man, because Pastor Daniel and Exka, who are on a road trip but watching live right now, have dedicated themselves to translating my sermon notes in Spanish every week. Come on. We love our Spanish-speaking community, and that's growing. So before I jump in, one last spiritual thing I need you to do. Now, I'm going to ask you a bold request. Would you, even if you're in the room, just turn your volume of your phone all the way down. Find this broadcast on Facebook or YouTube, but I want to ask you to tag or share it with a specific type of people. I'm going to be talking about people who left the church, not V1, but the church, people who were hurt by the church, people who used to go but have walked away. And I, I dare you to tag them now, even those of you who are watching online. And I want you to trust me with them. Trust that I'm not going to say anything stupid. You know how that goes. Trust that I'm not going to do anything that is not going to be beneficial. Now listen, 
Some of you already trust me to speak to your teenagers and your children. Some, you know what I mean? It's like, you already trust me to minister to your soul. I'm asking you permission. Would you trust me to speak to your friends who've walked away from the church right now? I've already gotten testimonies from last service. Uh, because here's the thing, as you're tagging them, I want you to hear this statistic that was like an alarm in my soul. Nearly two-thirds of U.S. 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in church, they told researchers in an expansive study, this is like a massive study that was done by Barna, that they have withdrawn from the church involvement as an adult, having been active as a child or a teen. When I say two-thirds, In the last decade, this percentage has increased by over 10%, meaning it's getting to the point now where over 60% of all 18 to 29-year-olds that were raised in church have left church. Why have they left? Where are they going? What are they doing with their Sundays? What are they doing with their lives? Why are people leaving the church? And now listen, for Gen Z and millennials, they are just completely and utterly giving up on church. What's interesting, though, is that they have not given up on the supernatural. They have not given up on the spiritual realm. So there's a major shift that's happening, and I want you guys to see what God has to say about it, because like we sang in the song, we're getting ready. God's going to respond to this situation, but we need to diagnose it. Can I teach you some things in the Word right now? Okay, so the first scripture we're going to look at is Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua was charged by God to take territories. Do I have any territory takers with me today? Joshua was not content with the previous generation and the limitations that Moses had. How many of you are not content with what your mother and your father accomplished? You believe that you are to take it further and do more. Anybody here with me? Territory takers. But the thing about a Joshua is Joshua's are uncompromised. Say that word with me, uncompromised. Joshua's are high integrity level. Joshua's are high integrity level. So Joshua shows up, and this is what he says. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. Now, some of you might be saying, what what do you mean evil to serve the Lord? How many of you have friends who think that you going to church today was evil? I mean, we are now living in a time where you used to be thought of as a good person for going to church. Now you are thought of as an evil person. They say church people are vindictive. Church people are judgmental. Church people are mean. Church, Come on, isn't it weird how it would even be thought of as being evil to go to church nowadays? Am I the only one who lives on this planet? It's like now you're weird. 100 years ago, the most traffic you would encounter is on a Sunday morning here in New York and Long Island because it was normal to go to church, but there's been a shift. And he says, and if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve, whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What he was saying was, hey, You have many things that you go to. Come on, Long Island. You want to get information about your future? It's like Joshua saying, go to your psychic mediums, read your horoscope. But as for me and my house, we'll receive a prophetic word from the Lord. Joshua was saying, you all have a choice. We all have a choice. There's people choosing what they'll serve. But as for me and my house, in Matthew chapter six, verse 24, it says, no one, everybody say no one. I just want to make sure you understand that there's, there's no room in this for interpretation. Otherwise, it says no one can serve two masters because either you'll love the one, you'll hate the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and then you will despise the other. Many people have come to despise God because they've tried to serve two at the same time. No one can go to two churches because you'll love the one and despise the other. Oh, I'm just going to say it. Listen, just because you can float between broadcast on a Sunday like it's Netflix doesn't mean that the kingdom operates outside of the realm of submission to authority. Paul says, you've got many teachers, but you've only got one spiritual father. And so there's always fruit where there's a father, but you're fruitless when you're fatherless. And you'll end up the most intellectual critic 
You know the word and you have a form of godliness, but no power connected to it. And that's what we've seen in the church. No one can serve two masters. Oh, I have two pastors. No, you don't. You have one pastor and pastors supporting that pastor, but you don't have multiple pastors. If you go to multiple churches here on Long Island, guess what? You actually go to no church. You know why? Because it's the same thing with marriage. There's covenant. You can't be married to multiple wives. Why? Because you're always going to love one and despise the other. I'm just bringing it real because guess what? On the other side of this message is a freedom waiting for you. But this sermon is so countercultural to anything that you hear. But can I just tell you the messages you hear all day put you in bondage? And this might sound the opposite of what you hear in the world. But how many of you know if you say something different, you'll get something different? So I want to see what the word says. You cannot serve God and serve money. I want you to write this down in your notes. This is going to help somebody... Tag me on Instagram if you have to. If you're not even a note taker, maybe you're a note tagger. Our half-heartedness has become a wholehearted rejection of Christ in the next generation. Our half-heartedness has become a wholehearted rejection of Jesus Christ in the next generation. What we do just in a little, oh, we're just, we kind of do this in a little dosage becomes aggrandized and bigger in the next generation. It's, you see that all the time. Our half-heartedness has become a wholehearted rejection of Christ in the next generation. But I've got some good news. Can I give you the good news? We've been seeing this mass exodus away from church, but as I was studying for this message, I realized people are not leaving church. They're, they're leaving religion. People are not walking away from the kingdom of heaven here on earth. They're walking away from the dead and dry traditions of man, the powerless, ungodly, self-righteous, critical structures of man. And so it may look like it's bleak. It may look like they're turning away. Some of you have kids that are saying, I don't believe I'm an atheist, but it's not the absence of evidence. It's the need to accept in your heart the fullness of who Jesus is. Because when you come before him full-hearted, wholehearted, When you come before him and you say, God, everything lays bare before you, set me on fire for you, that fire will begin to flow into your home. It will flow into your children. And that's what God desires. Now, as I was preparing for this message, I felt very specifically about some things that God wants me to say. Do I have your permission to deliver it exactly how God gave it to me? Because this is gonna be a dividing moment in people's life. I believe that we're going through a season of sifting before a season of merging. I feel the anointing of God so strongly. The body of Christ is going through a season of sifting before a season of merging. This is a preparatory season. And God is actually doing something. Do you guys remember the sermon my wife uh, preached about angels and how she came up and told the story about how she went to a camp where where over 100 kids encountered a large angel outside? Do you guys remember that? There were people who viewed that and saw it. They were tagging each other in that broadcast, and yet there were dozens of people who were there who refused to respond. Jesus said, Oh, you wicked generation, you always seek a sign, but not even a sign is enough. Some of you say, oh, if, if I just saw somebody get healed and God says, that's a lie. Your heart's the problem. I want to deal with it on a deeper level. I've already shown you my loving kindness. I've already shown you my goodness. And so it's like there are over a hundred kids in a youth camp who saw a manifestation of an angel so long that it rocked their lives. And you have dozens of people in the comments saying, I was there. It was so real. It stayed with me my whole life. And yet other people whose hearts have grown callous and cold towards the things of God. And God wants to speak right into the core because there's something deep going on right now. How many of you saw that I was under the Bethesda Terrace in Central Park just days ago? Did you guys see that? I stood up, and this was as the flash floods were happening. Literally over 100 people crowded in. And I began to declare the word of the Lord, and immediately demons started manifesting. And it was funny because I could tell whose first time it was witnessing that because they went through from an atheist to a theist real quick. (laughs) Because they watched their friends with college degrees manifest demons. 
They watch their six-figure earnings successful in their right mind friends on the tile floor of the Bethesda Terrace in Central Park, writhing around getting free from demons. And how many of you know that God is rising up with resurrection power in this time? I told you about how last month I was with John Maxwell. The apex of all success in the leadership realm tells me I fly intercessors out private jet into countries because I believe that strongly in this invisible war that's happening between angels and demons and the true believers. It's crazy. When are you going to wake up that everything is spiritual and only temporarily is it physical? in the way that you see it with your eyes. There's two realities, and you only have five senses for the one that you've encountered your entire life. But when you are born again through Christ, it unlocks all these spiritual gifts, and a whole other dimension of reality opens to you, and then you see what it's really all about. And how many of you are having your eyes open? How many of you are seeing the way the world's going and suddenly it makes sense to you now? Is there anybody waking up? Is there anybody coming out of a slumber spiritually? Am I the only one? And so I just want to read to you what the Holy Spirit gave me as I was preparing for this message. Why have they walked away from church? Why have they left and they're not coming back? Well, it's because they heard us talk badly about a pastor, but then we emphatically told them to trust another pastor. Why? Because they heard us say, just blindly believe, but their friends and professors had scientifically and logically sound responses, and the church did it. They left because they watched our lives get worse while they heard us worship a God who was supposed to make it better. They had a religious parent, but they needed a present parent. They heard us preach to them, but they really just needed us to listen to them. They received rules, but they needed a relationship and an encounter with a resurrected Jesus. They received all this church production that we sp spent so much time and money on, but they didn't want production. They wanted resurrection power. Church, this is a state of the union. This is the address that I want to be heard on our broadcast around the world. We've allowed pettiness to make us powerless. We've exchanged ignorance for being effective. We've allowed preferences to make us critical. And to every single person who left the church who's listening right now, I want you to hear this. You left a program. You left a building but you cannot outrun the love of the true and real Jesus. You left traditions of men. You left rules made by man, but the sacred path of Jesus still calls out to the chosen. And I'm speaking to the chosen now. For many are called, but few are chosen. You're here by divine appointment. You're listening to the sound of my voice because God will continually and perpetually draw you back to him. You left arguing, you left striving and competition for position, but you must become the solution to the problems that you left. Because the problems you see, you were created to fix in the bride of Christ. The denomination that you left, the pastor that you left, the preacher that you left, the influencer that you left, the author that you left, may not have gotten it right, but the true bride is rising up among from um, the, the ashes of religion and tradition with the true spirit of God, and you are destined to be included. I declare, with everybody listening to me now, a great return, a great return, a great return. I declare that faith is not the absence of evidence. We have the books and the scholars and the scientists that have united and corroborated the Genesis account of creation, whether it's 6,000 years or 6 million, is completely irrelevant because it's about the acceptance of what God has already proven by his Holy Spirit in unity with the voices of scholars and scientists. 
Serving God doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect like the last preacher and pastor said. It means that your mind will stay in perfect peace if you remain in him while you suffer. So suffer well with us so that we join in his sufferings to become more like him. And so your days may be better, but if they're never better on this side, we're promised eternity with him. And we have perfect peace on this side, and we have perfect peace on the other side. We have peace with cancer, and we have peace without cancer. We have peace divorced, and we have peace married. We have peace in abundance, and we have peace when we have nothing. Because we remain in him, we have peace. Building the local church It's not for the idolatry of attendance. It's about populating citizens of heaven here on earth, sojourners and pilgrims who pass every earthly desire in desire of the Father's heart. I desire no less to fill this building than I do to fill my bathroom at home. (laughs) But I desire to populate this earth with citizens of heaven that talk like heaven, sound like heaven, declare like heaven, love like heaven. I see it. Do you see it? Saying yes to God means saying no to a thousand other plans. God is so disgusted with your plans, preacher. He's so disgusted by your plans, prophet. He's so disgusted by your plans, business person, entrepreneur. He's disgusted. Because he knows your plans will fail and he had plans before you were even in your mother's womb. And see, the thing is, he's such a gentleman. You're so used to everybody forcing their plans on you that you didn't realize you've got to come before the gentleman, which is God, and say, God, what plans do you have for me? And I'm here to tell you, he's still making a way where there seems to be no way. He's still giving plans. He's still giving strategy, wisdom, and insight. Saying yes to God means saying no to a thousand other plans. To say yes to Julie is to say no to four billion other women. To say yes to V1 Church is to say no to a whole bunch of other churches. There's something that God calls us to called covenant and fidelity, and the world doesn't know that, but we gotta rise up and say, I'm gonna show them what it looks like to commit fully. Wholeheartedness is needed in this season. I want to teach you for a little bit more, just a few minutes. The word church is translated from Greek in the New Testament, ecclesia. And ecclesia, for those of you who are taking notes, is the assembly of the called out ones. Ecclesia, the assembly of the called out ones. This is where you see church. I'm going to take you, can I take you back? Sometimes we got to go all the way back to the origin story. We got to see how it originated. We got to see what it's like in the wild. I'll never forget going to uh, Ukraine for the very first time and eating grapes that grew from a vine in Ukraine and they hadn't been modified or engineered in any way. And I taste the grape and I said, this sounds like this or sounds, there you go. This tastes like grape soda because I had never had a grape that pure before. Sometimes you got to go back to the origin Come on now. I remember drinking coffee in Colombia from the side of a mountain that was actually grown. And I remember thinking, I feel like I've never drank a cup of coffee because I've never had one right, like literally right off the bean in that moment. So sometimes we've gone to these weird man-made religious tradition, dead, you know, toxically codependent leaders leading them that are feeding their ego by you clapping for everything they say, disgusting, busted little kids dressed up in suits acting like they know what they're talking about churches oh we must have not went to the same churches growing up y'all probably had great churches my bad my bad that you don't know what it looked like in its origin. Like, what if I told you you never tasted a grape? What if I told you you never drank a cup of coffee you've had coffee flavored water? That's what church in the 21st century is like when you read the book of Acts. Because you say, this is what, this is the power. And I will tell you this, when I was standing under the Bethesda Terrace and I was going live, and I knew that was a big statement because I've been letting layers of my ministry out over the years as I'm building a foundation at our church. I was like, this is a bold statement to just show people mass deliverance live. 
But did you know that some of the most significant pastors in New York City reached out to me the next day, one after another, and I didn't know they were watching, and they said, Pastor Mike, I know we don't know each other, but something shifted in me when I watched you setting captives free. And I wanna come up to the next level. They were saying, I I believe in deliverance. I don't know how to cast demons out of people. I've been pastoring. These are some of the largest churches in this region. And and how many of you know I left Bethesda Terrace with two fistfuls of drugs and paraphernalia to throw away in the garbage during that monsoon of a rainstorm. And my daughter, Bella, I'll never forget this. It marked me. We had an umbrella because two people stole both of our umbrellas, which praise God for them. You know, so I think they got saved but not sanctified. You know what I mean? Because I was like, hey, Belle, where's our umbrella? She's like, Dad, they stole them. I'm like, okay, we got to disciple them now. So here's the thing, though. I held those drugs and the paraphernalia in my hand. People surrendered it to a makeshift altar. I'm thankful for this altar, but this altar is not an idol to me. This building is not an idol. This means no more to me than the makeshift altar we had in Bethesda Terrace in Central Park. And without asking, people brought drugs. Without asking, because the Holy Spirit was speaking and giving them identity. And as I left, I looked at these, I looked at these things, and I'm like, I've got to destroy these because someone in Central Park will hit the jackpot if they find it. You know, someone's like, wow. So as the rain was coming down and we have the umbrella, I tell Bella, hold on. And I start shattering all this paraphernalia in Central Park. And it, that is one of the most beautiful memories that I have is my 14-year-old daughter watching her dad shatter drug paraphernalia in Central Park during a rainstorm. But see, God is calling us to be wild. He's calling us to accept the true Holy Spirit, the true mission of God. Stop politicking for position and popularity and go low instead of trying to elevate yourself. Come on, get down and do the dirty work. You know, people are like, I can't, I never get scheduled to preach. God's trying to schedule you every single day, but you don't show up to your assignment. He's looking for a people that will rise up and declare, come out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Acts 11.26 says that Barnabas and Saul met with the church in Antioch. And the church there is the Greek for ecclesia. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, Paul says that he had the persecuted church, or he had persecuted the church of God. And he was using ecclesia. Now watch. He didn't persecute a program. He persecuted persons, representatives of a kingdom. And even when I say ecclesia, everybody translates that even under the sound of my voice, you're thinking right now, oh yeah, yeah, that like we come together now. No, no, in this room are sheep and goats. In this room are wheat and tares. Watching online right now is wheat and tares. Not everybody in this room is a Christian, just like standing in a, a, a garage does not make you a car. You could stand in a garage for a long time. You're never going to become a car. There's people who stand in church their whole life, never become a true believer. And that's okay. It's not my job to sort them. I just gather and let the Holy Ghost sort them. He'll tell you, will you obey? Will you listen? The called out assembly then is a congregation of believers whom God has called out of the world and into his wonderful light. That's what ecclesia means. He called you out of darkness. He called you out of ignorance. He called you out of Wicca. He called you out of voodoo, obia. He, he, he called, what did he, he called you out of, come on, what is it? Come on, what is it? What is it that he called you out of? What's that darkness? He called you out of that psychic medium realm where you, he called you out of what addiction? He called you out of being a player. Being a player. Right? He called you out of that. He called you out of darkness. He called you out of anger and rage. He called you out of unforgiveness. You couldn't forgive. You wouldn't forgive. You said Italians never forgive, but you never met that centurion that became a believer. Come on. Woo! Come on. He... What darkness did he call you out of? He called you out of addiction, alcoholism. What darkness did he call you? Here's a a darkness, self-righteousness. You always think you're right. You're always puffed up with knowledge. Here's one of my favorite stories from the Bethesda Terrace. A woman came up to me. Now, 
Y'all know that I'm not a preachers and sneakers kind of preacher, but I do like nice things. And I was in Chicago and I saw this pair of shoes and I'm like, I'm getting these shoes. I, I'm flexing on my congregation. They're going to see it now. They're going to see it. I earned these shoes. <laughs> and so I bought these shoes and I love these shoes. And I was wearing them for the last week or so. Everybody's like, man, Pastor Mike, those shoes are so nice. Now I can listen to your preaching. I'm like, praise God. So I'm just kidding, but not. So I wear these shoes to this Central Park Revival. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, we, I'm casting demons out of everybody here. Ah! I mean, watch the footage on my Instagram. It's very entertaining. And people are getting free. It's powerful. But all of a sudden, the flash floods came, and I knew because everyone's phone started going, ah, ah. you know how your phones do that warning? So all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, guys, we got to go. Let's wrap it up. Thank you, Jesus. And the water starts pouring in from both sides. You can look at pictures of Bethesda Terrace and how flooded it is. And all of a sudden, nobody leaves. Very few. It was like a third of them leave. And then all of a sudden, people start coming up to me. Pastor, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? And one of, uh, again, this is such a precious moment because God's taken me deeper. I look down at my shoes I watched the water go all the way up past my ankles. And now these shoes, and you know, you never have a pair of shoes so nice you actually pay that extra 20 bucks for that spray? Am I the only one? You know, that's how you know. That's how you know you just went into extravagant territory. You're like, yeah, I will take the spray. It's like that. Yeah. Yep, yep, I want to spray. I sprayed those shoes. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at these shoes, and I'm like, as the water went up, and these people were coming to me, they had pictures of their family members on their phone, and they were saying, my family's not here. Can you just touch my phone and pray that my family gets saved? It's not enough that I got saved. Can you pray? And I'm praying one after another, and I'm watching the waters go up over my shoes, and I, say, and I said, God, I don't care about these shoes anymore. I'm so sorry I tried to be one of those preachers for a moment. I said, it's always about you, and I just had this moment. I was laughing. I was crying through the tears. I'm like, I can't have nothing, God. <laughs> you don't let me have nothing, Jesus. But this woman came up to me, and I think this was the, I think this story I'm going to tell you from this moment was the most powerful. I, yes, we cast out demons of Leviathan, Jezebel, and all the other posers and every mask that people came in with. But this woman came up to me. The floodwaters are rolling in over our shoes. We're ankle deep in the water, and she came up to me. She said, I wanted to leave but I have a spirit of religion and I felt the Holy Ghost one time and I knew it was real, but I've never been able to feel it again and I wanna be free from the spirit of religion. I'm ready for the real thing. I don't care, I'm here and she had her hands up. And I thought this is harder work than any of these other demons because if you know anything about the spirit of religion, it's a powerful demon. It's a powerful demon. You got friends of yours that don't even go to church but are mad that you go to a church different than their church. That demon is strong. They'll be mad at you because you actually read the Bible. They don't even read it, but you read a different Bible. Get out of here. And that woman, she began to weep. She began to get free right there in the water. And God had to take her out of a church environment, out into the wild to receive freedom. Romans chapter 16, verse five says, greet the church that's in your house. We started V1 Church in a house. We were doing watch parties six years ago and pastors made fun of me until a global pandemic happened and then now they're asking me to do it. Because I didn't get the idea from my head. I got it from Romans chapter 16, verse 5 that says, greet the church that's in their house. How many of you believe that V1 is going to be a church of many houses all around the world? The church is the body of Christ, and he is the head. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. I would never ask you to submit to me if I'm not submitted to him. 
I would never ask my wife to submit to me if I'm not submitted to him. See, the only thing that gives me the boldness to ask Julie to submit to my leadership is I'm submitted to Jesus' headship. And I'm not telling Julie the best I can my ideas. I'm saying, hey, I've been with the Father. He's told me this direction to go. And, he, and now I'm bringing it down to my family. And I'm leading you. I'm leading you. And that's why my wife, I told my wife, God called us to Japan. She'd be like, let's pack our bags, but I hate their food. Praise God. Julie's like that because I've proven over time I'm submitted to him. And when you have leaders that demand people submit to them, but they're not submitted to him, it never works out. Listen to this wisdom key. A leader without a team is a show, but a team without a leader is chaos. See, I have a leader named Jesus. I'm submitted to him. I would never ask you to covenant to this church and submit to my leadership without listening to his voice, which is why me and Alexander Pagani can preach the same sermon on the same Sunday because we're submitted to the same Jesus. You see how that works? The universal church consists of everybody in the world from Acts chapter 2, 2,000 years ago till now. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. How many of you believe we're a big global church? Okay, now we've got a big global church, but that phrase has been used to not commit. Oh, y'all don't love me anymore. You see how silent it got? Oh, I'm just a part of the church. I'm a part of this church and this church and this church. Okay, try that in your marriage. Oh yeah, I sleep with you and you and you and you and you and you. You're cool with that, right? I'm getting my needs met. They're getting their needs met. That's, that's cool, right? See, here's the thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 needs to be taken to the next step. I believe one of the reasons why God even had me come to this region was to destroy the stronghold that was built around this scripture. Because people have used this to go to not commit anywhere. But let me take, can I take it deeper real quick? Galatians chapter one, verse one through two, Paul, an apostle, and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. See, Paul now says, wait a second, you now are broken up according to region. There's global, but there's local, and there's specific things that need to be dealt with in the local church. See, as we prepare to launch V1 Indiana, there's gonna be things that I have to deal with in Indiana that's different than New York and vice versa. There's things in our global community by region that are different. Galatians chapter one, verse one through two is Paul dealing with that and saying, hey, you have local authority. Would you all just stand to your feet with me? Can I tell you a secret of success? True godly success is success that remains. True success. See, the Bible says that he'll increase you, but it adds no sorrow. The success of the world increases you, but adds sorrow. As your bank account, you know, Biggie said, mo money, mo problems. That's what he said. The Bible says that he will make you rich and add no sorrow. What Biggie said was the exact opposite of what the Bible says. The, Paul said, I desire that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions. Prosperity, according to the word of God, is your mind getting right. It's your emotions getting right. It's your will getting right. It's, I don't have a problem with my will because the Holy Spirit is driving that vehicle. And when he says left, I, I go left. When he says go right, I go right. I don't have a problem. Some of you have a problem in your will and your will needs to prosper, but it's stuck. Have you ever been saved but stuck? I just want to read my Bible. I can't read my Bible. I just want to pray. I can't pray. But I'm always up on my phone late. You've got a problem with your will. Your will is surrendered to the wrong master. Your emotions are surrendered. If you, I, you know, I told this story about Everly. Everly was crying the other day, and I said, I'll give you a, a muffin. She wanted like a little cupcake. If you stop crying, immediately she stopped crying. I was like, wow, that's a miracle, isn't it? But I looked at her, and I said, Everly, you're seven years old. You can stop crying immediately if you want to. You have control over your emotions. 
Some of you never had a dad that told you you can actually control your emotions instead of them controlling you. Some of you are slave to your feelings. You're a slave to, if your feelings say be mad, you're mad. But you never learn that you are not your feelings. Your feelings are a part of you, but you are not your feelings. Some of you've never learned that just because you feel an emotion doesn't mean you have to express an emotion. You didn't know that. You've never learned that you can actually feel an emotion that you don't express. And, and it's not faking it or hiding it or not being real. It's the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. But you don't know the Spirit, so how could you have access to His abilities? See, now, here's the thing I want to open up into this house. There is a sacred way of Jesus. It's a very narrow path. Many will not walk it. It's a path of covenant and fidelity. It's a path of self-control through the Spirit. It's a path of crucifying your desires. It's a path of not just confession and admitting, but repenting. Most of the American evangelical churches have taught us to admit our sins, but never repent. Admit is like, yeah, you got me. I did it. Repent is I'll never do it again. Jesus' version of repentance was, hey, if you got a problem with that addiction, just cut your arm off so the rest of your body goes to heaven. But we have become so half-hearted. And what God wants to do, and this is why I think people are manifesting demons everywhere I go now is because I'm preaching true repentance, not confession, not like, oh, you got me, you caught me. Repentance is, I don't care the cost anymore. I will never be that man again. And then you enact the Savior, the blood of Jesus, to begin to do what only he can do. And the reason why people are always debating me, can a Christian have a demon? How do you know you're a real Christian? Maybe all you've done is said the sinner's prayer, but you've never repented. All you've done is gone through the routine, but you don't even know him. And I felt led to say this to somebody today because somebody keeps telling the Lord, I don't know how to pray, but he's telling you, you know how to talk, therefore you know how to pray. Did somebody just receive that word? You know how to talk, therefore you know how to pray. Like that's a spirit of religion that says you don't know how to speak Elizabethan English King James English, so therefore you can't pray. Or, or how's this? A, re, a repetition of a prayer where you're like, I don't remember the prayers that they used to pray growing up. Yeah, but God doesn't care about that garbage. Matter of fact, he wants to hear how you really feel. And there's something about this message that's so freeing and so liberating, but I just more and more, if people ask me, why, how did you, you guys, did you guys see the video by Jeff that said we legitimately hit fastest growing church in America number one? Why? I'm convinced that people have been fathered and mothered so poorly, that people have been pastored so poorly. I don't even think that I'm doing a good job, church. I literally just, I'm taking it back to where it all started when I read the book of Romans, when I read the book of Acts, and I'm saying, God, if I can give your people what it should have looked like, what it started out as, if I can peel back the layers of all this garbage of tradition and religion, if I can introduce them directly to you instead of going through a priest, instead of going through another man, if I can have them enter into a relationship with you, I believe that they can find freedom they never found. But can I give you one more step to this? I also believe that you need to see God through someone else's relationship with them. I was meditating on these scriptures, the ecclesia, the called out assembly. And you know, sometimes God wants us to interact directly with him and know him in that way. But then sometimes God says, I want to teach you something about me as you watch them interact with me. See, I have two daughters, and I believe that as I interact with Everly, Bella watches that and learns something else about me as a father. And I believe that many of you need to be in the church, whether you're online in our global community or Indiana in a watch party or a watch party in Florida. Shout out, we have a massively growing watch party in Florida. But see, you need to see the way someone else is blessed, the way someone else is interacting. You need to hear their stories, and that just, that just it'll do something to you. And I can't tell you how many people have told me, because he's real to you, Mike, he became real to me. 
Because he's real to Julie, he's become real to me. And so there's something about connection. So here's what I want you to do. Just close your eyes as we get ready to close out because I want to cast vision. And I believe this is going to be a historic moment for our church, a dividing line into the next season. And I want, as I read these declarations out, a vision that I receive from the Holy Spirit, whether you live in Massachusetts, like we have a family from Massachusetts here, whether you live in Florida, like I mentioned, the watch parties, Indiana here, we have Bronx represented, Queens, Brooklyn, Long Island, both, both counties represented. I want you to hear the vision I'm casting, but I want you to close your eyes right now and I want you to try to see it in the spirit realm. Because I believe that God is calling the ecclesia. This is the called out ones. I see homes assembling with the V1 Church broadcast on Sunday, flooding hope into every room around the world. I see homes uniting in regions where we have to do pop-up regional quarterly services to celebrate large gatherings and baptize all the new disciples. I see Zoom screens filling up with digital faces as strangers meet their new family for the first time spiritually. I see mothers teaching their children how to prophesy. I see fathers raising up builders and builders of dreams. I, I see singles carrying the banner of celibacy that Jesus carried into a world of sexual brokenness. I see innovation influencing technology, education, and business through kingdom, kingdom builders, kingdom coders, kingdom people infiltrating, infiltrating technology, education, and business. I see gamers, I see a community of gamers coming together and uniting to become better husbands. Gamers coming together and facilitating Bible studies through their sites. I see athletes, professional athletes. I see co college level athletes huddled together. I see high school athletes huddled together. I see athletes at the local gym huddled together, praying for each other, carrying each other's prayer needs. I see teachers shining the light of Christ in the darkness of Babylonian exile like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I see people who were allergic to pretense, false identity, church politics, drama, small-mindedness, and they are rising up and taking the helm of this next era. I see a church called V1 Church becoming a force to be reckoned with around the world. And we're getting ready. We're getting ready. We're getting ready to rise up. We're getting ready to break past our boundaries. We're getting ready to remove all excuses. We're getting ready to grow. We're getting ready to expand. We're getting ready to step in. We're getting ready. We're getting ready. Okay, I want to do one more thing. The Holy Spirit just spoke to me to tell somebody the dream you have is the right dream, but the path you have is the wrong path. I just felt that drop in my gut. He said, right, right dream, wrong path. The route that I'm going to take you to the dream I gave you is going to be different than the one that you've charted out. Somebody say, I'm getting ready. Do you feel that? I believe the dream that you have for your business will be fulfilled, but the path is going to be different than the one that you're on right now. I believe the dream that you have for ministry gifting God's place inside of you. The dream is right, but the path is wrong, and he's about to adjust the path. Anybody believe that? So one, one more thing. I, I'm going to ask you to do something. Now, I know right now what's supposed to happen is Aaron's supposed to build on the drums real big. The music's supposed to get loud. The prayer team's supposed to come up. Everybody's supposed to start manifesting demons. People are going to get healed. That's what we normally do. And that's all right. We love that. Pastor Moses lives for that. She starts foaming at the mouth. Come on. Bring him. Right? Come. <laughs> I'm probably going to be in trouble. Today's her birthday, by the way. 
But how many of you know that good leaders know how to paint with more than three colors? And see, here's the thing. This moment we're about to make right now is just as powerful, if not more, than the deliverance. Because it, I, I, let me just say like this. Deliverance without discipline will cause you to be in a situation seven times greater. So if you get deliverance, but you don't have community for discipline and accountability, the Bible says when you cast a demon out, it roams among arid places, and it, it actually hooks up with some friends and says, let's go back and possess even more. And so deliverance without discipline will cause you to be seven times worse. So I want to do something right now. Everybody watching online, you're included in this, okay? I want everybody here, just take out your phones, because what we're going to do is going to be so spiritual. This is, this is just as important as an altar call. This is just as important. I'm talking everybody, everybody. Let's just completely destroy the cell phone towers in this area and all light up our phone and fire it up right now. And I want you to, again, open up the V1 Church mobile app. And I'm being serious. I'm not, this is not, I'm not selling you something. I am not just trying to articulate this in a way. I'm trying to pastor you. How real can I be with you right now? Are you getting your phones out and going to the V1 Church mobile? Many of you need to understand that the way that I pastor you and mentor you is through my Sunday sermons as well as the broadcast throughout the week. My calling is to be like a radio signal that you all can tune into and you say, man, Pastor Mike is always there. He's always consistent. He's got a right now word. He's always faithfully teaching the scriptures. But that's my primary calling. I am not codependent and toxic. I do not need to be needed. And some of you have been pastored so poorly that you think that a good pastor takes you and your family out to dinner at least twice a month. And you think that, that having a personal relationship with me is the number one thing you need for a next level. But let, let me just say this. My ministry to you happens every Sunday. We have a personal meeting right now. We're in it. You are in a mentor meeting with me right now. I'm being serious. I'm discipling you right now. Every Sunday I disciple. But the thing that I've come to learn is that a lot of pastors who have father wounds who have wounds from their mother, they're stunting. They love to be needed. And they will exhaust themselves going out to as many lunches and dinners as possible to make people feel connected. But what I've learned is that stuff can get evil real quick and somebody will manipulate you with a dinner real quick. Am I right? Like pastors will put some, Lord, some stuff. Oh, remember when? Do you, I did this, I did that. Get out of here with that, right? You know, a good dad will let you come over to their house and you'll raid their refrigerator and dump it all in a plastic bag and leave without giving them a hug. And they're like, oh, I love my kid. Am I right? Grocery shopping at dad's house. That's the kind of pastor I am. You come here, take all the anointing I've got, take everything from me and go home. Don't even have to shake my hand. I love you because I'm secure. I'm secure. But what I've learned is that I'm not the best person for all your problems. And there are people that God has placed in my life and in the life of our church that have these uh, like supernatural abilities and giftings in areas that they've been wounded and their pain has turned into purpose. And so I've raised up a whole bunch of pastors, a whole bunch of connect group leaders. And when they meet with you, I'm meeting with you through them. When they hug you, I'm hugging you through them because I'm giving them my authority. It comes down from the head and it flows. They're doing it on my behalf. I've told them, I've empowered them. I've given them permission to get into your life and to get in your business, to carry my heart down into those conversations. And that is so healthy because here's the thing. There's some things they went through that God anointed them for you. And I will tell you this, I went through deliverance multiple times. That's right, Kev. I needed it. I know he doesn't need it. I needed it. He's good. I was not good. Now, here's the thing, though. You know when my marriage really changed? My marriage didn't change after deliverance. My spirit and the condition of my being changed, but my marriage changed when I went to a marriage group and listened to all the other couples getting free at the same time. And I'll never forget hearing couples be like, oh, we argue. I'm like, y'all argue? I'm like, Jules, we're normal. And she's like, well, no, not yet. But <laughs> there's something that happens when you do church in a circle, not just a row. 
And here's the thing. Thank you for your attention today. Thank you for staying with me this whole time. And you need to hear a message unadulterated because some of you talk too much anyways. And you need to be quiet long enough to hear a new idea because your ideas still have you in bondage. So this format, we see this in Romans. We see this in the book of Acts. We see this format online, ecclesia, the called out ones, the gathering. But we also see the home. We also see the small circles where you do get to talk. And I wanna shout out Angela and Nick. See how I said Angela to you? Because you're one in the spirit. Because, you know, they've been leading connect groups. I wanna shout out Dylan. You know, the young adults, the young adults group has been off the charts, but man, young adults need to get together and they need to cry about young adult stuff that I graduated from. I'm like, I ain't crying about that no more. That's on you guys. I ain't single, man. I married before I burned. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, the church that laughs lasts. And you need to get into situations where you're in a group where you're being loved. And then, you know, they come to me. Pastor Mike, I'm struggling with leading so-and-so. I want to help them better. What do I do? And I train them and empower them. And so there's something special that happens with the women's groups. And there's something special that happens. And I, I just believe that Many of you who are saved but stuck, you're like, why am I stuck? What am I missing? I believe you're missing church in a circle. Intimacy. Can I just break one of your mindsets real quick? A lot of times people will go to a church like this and say, this church is too big. There, I couldn't, you know, I can't, I need to go to a little church because then I can know more people. Do you know what's wrong with that statistically? All the studies that have been done have shown that whether you go to a 50-person church or a 3,000-person church, you, you, forget about the church leadership or culture, you will only ever get to know about 30 of those people. So everyone says, this church is too big. I could never know anybody. Yeah, but statistically, you're only ever gonna give your life to 30 people here anyways. The good thing about a church that's growing is you can swap out another 30 once the first 30 gets old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I've been in those 50-person churches, and you, after a couple years, you're like, rut row. <laughs> I don't like anybody now. At least if the church keeps growing, there's a chance somebody here you'll like. I got single people trying to move to Indiana because there's a whole fresh batch of singles over there. I'm like, I see your motive. That ain't the will of God. That's the will of the flesh. I see you. But it's all good as long as you stay in V1. Praise God. The church that laughs lasts. Connect groups are where we laugh, where we share, where we pour our lives, where we're intimately known by each other. So when you show up, one of my favorite things we were talking well, I was saying this last service is I've loved watching connect group leaders meet their people for the first time. I've been out on that sidewalk outside this door and all of a sudden it's like, oh my, what? Oh, that's you. You know, because when you only seen someone through a screen, you're like, that's you. Everybody always tells me, you're taller than I thought you were uh, in real life. I'm like, I'm fat, okay? Just say it. Just say it. You know, but it's, it's such a thing. We, one of our marriage groups, there was a couple that literally came from Texas all the way to Long Island to meet their connect group leader and then come to church here. That's real family. That's being known. So everybody take their phone out right now. This is like 100% participation because I believe that as Paul was speaking to Antioch, as Paul was speaking to the churches in Galatia, as Paul was administrating the churches, Paul was saying, hey, send my regards to that house church because they have value. Come on, we've got people meeting in houses and that's just as valuable as this. And when you guys saw the global pandemic or the global baptism, when I watched people baptizing each other in their homes, I thought to myself, what if V1 Church is, is not a plan B? What if it's God's plan A for these people? Like, what if this is not just like, oh, I can't find a good church locally. I'm gonna go to V1 digitally. What if it's like, no, 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 there's a great church down the street, but God didn't call me to that church. He called me to this one, even if it's a watch party. So I want you guys to do this with every phone out. This is my equivalency to every hand lifted. <laughs> I want you to launch the V1 Church mobile app. And I know this sounds crazy, but I want you to sign up for a connect group, 100% of you, even leaders, because if you can't be served at your own church, you will not eventually be allowed to serve at your own church. 
not because of me, but because of burnout and fatigue. You got to come under the covering of your house. So even leaders, I dare you, sign up and show up and be like, hey guys, I'm not pastor so-and-so in this connect group. I'm here to receive. How healthy would that be? I mean, guys, I've come up to this altar to receive ministry for myself. Pray for me, you know, and so I want you to sign up now. Everybody, a women's group, a men's group, a marriage group, and I've got an announcement. This is our very first time debuting Spanish-speaking groups. Come on. And so I dare you, sign up. If, if language is a barrier, sign up for a, a group, a Spanish-speaking group. So everybody do it now, 100% of us. Everybody online, literally go out of the broadcast if you have to, if all you have is your phone. Go now, everybody in Indiana, everybody, let's just, we have Bible studies. We have groups for your soul. Remember I talked about your feelings and how you need to get your soul right, your feelings, your will, your mind? We have a group for that. Because I want to tell you what's happened while you guys are signing up. Just put your info in there and we'll, we'll get a hold of you. You know, my favorite thing at V1 Church has been watching people go from darkness to light. The ecclesia, the called out ones. And we actually had a couple that was estranged, separated, on the verge of divorce, literally go on a journey of reconciliation and a couple years later later teaching our marriage group. And listen, you don't have to be a teacher to teach. You just have to walk it out and say, hey, I'm walking it out. Who wants to walk it out with me? I decided to stay. I decided to work it out. Let's get a whole bunch of people who are making the same decision. We'll figure it out on the way. Sometimes as a leader, you just need to be two steps ahead, not 10. Then we've got other people who, when I first met them, were addicted to drugs. He gave me permission to say this, and I'm gonna cry trying to get this story out, but when I first met Chris Wrigley, he was addicted to drugs. And I remember Heather saying, Pastor Mike, I don't know what to do. I don't know what next step to take. We've tried everything. And I said, you look at me, Heather, I tell you what, the enemy only attacks a target of value. And there's tremendous value in what's inside of Chris, and we're gonna get it out. Chris went on a journey, man, of sobriety, surrendering everything, giving it up. All of a sudden, I'll never forget his first Sunday back. You know what song he did? That's that Elevation song, Do It Again. Is that it? Do It Again. And it was like, bum, 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 bum. Remember that when that was everyone's jam before the pandemic messed us up? and everyone's and Chris got up there I bawled my eyes out like a baby and now he's helping to lead our addiction recovery group every Monday night so I, I've given my heart I've given influence I've given anointing and there I believe Chris has a word for you I believe that come on there's something that's going to happen in these groups why don't you wave at me if you signed up for a group who signed up Oh, come on. Come on. I want to give you a few more moments to sign up. I want to see. I'm not kidding. You can meet digitally via Zoom. It's some, there's options you have, but I believe that this is just... Here's the thing I told our Connect Group leaders. Can you guys give it up for Will and Liz Camacho? I said, Liz... I've done two mass deliverances in the last week, one in Indiana and then a couple days later in Central Park. And I'm telling you, I want to crowd surf this crowd. I want to do crazy ministry. But I said, but today's service is, is, is a different kind of service, but this is the one that six months from now will yield the most testimonies. Because each one of you that signed up six months from now, you're going to be like, whoa. God did something in that group. God did something. And then guess what? Like my man, Nick, you'll become a demon slayer too. There was a, Nick, Nick and Angela came out and uh, to Indiana and they were helping during the mass deliverance. And there was a, a guardrail here. And I heard tsh, 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 real loud. And I was like, man, what is that noise? And a guy was thrashing his head against the wall, manifesting a demon. I said, Nick, you have a new assignment. <laughs> And he got down there and cast that demon out and that guy was free and they were hugging a few minutes later. And I, I, it was such an amazing thing. And then Dan and Emily, why don't you guys wave your hands? Dan and Emily just got married. Someone in the back said, you can do it. 
But you know, I want to end on this and pray for you guys. The church that laughs lasts. Is that all right? Because we're getting ready to close out and pray for you. And then we have a Team Wars event. But uh, Dan and Emily, there was a cool moment where I was looking for Dan because Dan had given me the privilege to not just do the wedding, but actually walk down the aisle with him, kind of like a father's heart moment. And I was looking for him because I started panicking because I'm like, I don't see him and I don't know what we're doing. We're standing in the middle of a field. There's corn all around us. I'm getting freaked out. I'm like, I'm used to Queens. I'm more scared of the children of the corn now. And, And all of a sudden I'm looking for Dan. And this is what happened. I come around the corner of this barn and they're taking a picture and Dan's on one side of the corner and Emily's on the other and they're holding hands and they can't see each other but they're holding hands, you know, the the pre-wedding picture. And I thought about how that is such a symbol of what it means to be a believer on this side. Blessed are those who believe and yet don't see. And, And I believe that as they were holding hands, it's like, I can't see my bride, I can't see my groom, but I know they're there. I wanna end this service as you guys are signing up for connect groups. I want the Lord to just hold your hand. I want him to minister to you. I want, I, I want him to uh, enable you to feel him, to know that he is there, okay? So let's just begin to pray together because he's preparing you. He's preparing you for the next level, for breakthrough. He's preparing you for freedom. He's preparing you. He's setting your path right. For many are the plans of man, <laughs> but God, God is about to set you right on his path. So Father, I pray for our church as we go into the fall as we come into connect group season, a time of making new relationships and family relationships, a time of joining hand in hand together with each other, mothers and fathers in the faith coming together, family coming together, God, as we come into women's groups and marriage groups. Lord, I thank you for testimonies in advance. I thank you for setting the captives free. We're getting ready, God. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit right now is touching. Your Holy Spirit is confirming right now. Lord, we release your peace right now over every single person that's here. We thank you, Father, that even in South Africa, London, in the UK, you're bringing us together, a global family through every connect group, God. We just thank you that you're restoring and healing. Come on, somebody, just thank them in advance. Get ready. Prepare your heart, the expectation. Come on, make that declaration right now as we open up this altar. It's here for you. Come on.